Welcome to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. We hope you enjoyed the upcoming podcast and hope this time is empowering, inspiring, and helpful as you pursue the dream God has put in your heart. The participants of this podcast are not attorneys, and this recording is not to be considered legal advice. Please contact your local attorney's office where needed. Enjoy today's podcast. Well, uh, welcome to the Start Church Podcast. My name is Nathan Camp, and I'm your host today for Beyond the Call. And really, Beyond the Call is the, the podcast resource for our church planners and pastors. We, what we always try to do here is bring uh, voices of leaders and people who are actually in the trenches doing ministry and giving a fresh perspective. And so I've got a great privilege today. One of my best friends in the whole world, <laughs> Pastor Bernie Moore, is with us today. Uh, Bernie, thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's a great honor uh, to spend some some time with you today. So Bernie and I have been friends for 15 years now or something. And a long time. Both have the same passion for the Lord. And um, But I want to kind of rewind the tape a little, Bernie. For our listeners who don't know who you are, kind of catch us up. Uh, how did God save you? What kind of ministry path have you had? What are you doing right now? Sure. So... Um, I got saved when I was 18, um, born and raised in New Orleans, uh, you know, sports guy, the whole thing, athlete, the whole. So <clears throat> my girlfriend, who's my wife now, led me to the Lord, um, brought me to church, fell in love with Jesus. Uh, Jesse Duplantis actually was preaching the first Sunday I had ever gone to church. And wow. I'll never forget, he was talking about how much fun it is walking with Jesus. And my life was totally changed from that morning on. Wow. I couldn't get enough of the word. I couldn't get enough of worship. I couldn't get enough of uh, church and reading and Bible studies. And, and I was halfway through my senior year when that took place. And then, uh, you know, went off to, went, went to LSU and then went to Bible school in Dallas. And um, fast forward, here we are today uh, doing crusade evangelism all over the world. Man. Now, how did that transition? I knew you were you were church, you did church planting for a while. Correct. And transitioned into uh, global evangelism. Talk to us yes. about that transition. So after Hurricane Katrina uh, in two thousand and six, um, well, actually, several years before Katrina uh, took place, um, we were youth pastors at our local church, phenomenal church there uh, in New Orleans, and. Um, we had a heart for Orlando. We weren't really sure why. It made no sense to us because we had no family there. We didn't have any friends in the city. Um, but we just felt like God wanted us to move to Orlando, to plant a church, and to start our ministry um, uh, you know, in Orlando. And so we didn't know what time, though. We were just praying through timing. And you know, we had um, we have three kids, but at the time, we only had one. Um, and so we were just trying to figure out, okay, God, we know you're telling us to do this, but we're, we're not clear on timing yet. So we really put that before the Lord and a couple of years had gone by. Uh, we had our second baby and then Katrina hits. Yeah. And when the whole city had to rebuild, we felt like in the midst of this crisis, the Lord was calling us to birth our ministry. And we thought it would be through the channels of a local church. So we moved to Orlando with nothing but a, a box truck and, and a dream. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that's, of course, where we met you guys and 
Um, so grateful to God for that divine heavenly relationship, Amen. you know, and so we planted, we planted for, um, for about three years. Uh, and then of course, uh, 08 came and, um, actually it was about two years. I'm, I'm sorry, two years. But when 2008 came and the economy just tanked bad, of course, you guys know you were at the, yeah in the same position, but it was like everybody literally left the church. I mean, we were left with 25 or 30 people, I guess. Orlando was the second hardest hit city in, in that year. I remember by yeah. the recession, it was just crazy. It was, it was crazy. It was crazy. So in the meantime, um, I was doing bivocational. So I was working for evangelist Reinhard Bunky and traveling with him um, as his assistant. And uh, so that was really hard anyway. And I knew ultimately, I knew in my heart of hearts, which is really a scary thing because I knew in my heart of hearts, God was calling us to evangelism. Yeah. But, but I love the local church so much, but yet God wasn't breathing on that for us. Yeah. He was really directing us and guiding us and leading us to uh, global evangelism, which I had been knowing since I was eight years old yeah. um, when I first got impacted by Billy Graham's uh, ministry. Wow. So that's what happened with long story short. Yeah. So we, um, we birthed our evangelistic ministry in 2009. Of course, Star Church uh, helped us in such a phenomenal way um, and put all of our you know, paperwork together and bylaws and articles and, and all that. Um, and off we went. We just, uh, you know, we just launched out with, I think, three or four partners. And, and once again, a dream, a seed of yeah. faith um uh, in, in in obedience to what we felt god was really telling us to do and and what's uh, god done through bernie moore ministries over the last decade yeah so this is our 11th year and um we are right now we're sitting at around 1.3 million people that have gotten saved through our global gospel crusade efforts uh so we celebrate that we praise god for that we give him literally all of the glory for that um you know, as, as you know, we focus on third world countries. We want to go where nobody, nobody's been or very few people have been. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> and we want to bring the gospel. We want to bring the life and love and message of the cross uh, to all of those who have never heard. And believe yeah. me, as you and I have talked before, it's astonishing to me literally how many people there are still to this day that don't know for God so loved the world yeah. that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him, whosoever, whatever nation, whatever tribe, whatever tongue, whatever ethnicity, whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And so we want to bring the message of the gospel and the message of Jesus and the cross of Christ to all those who have never heard. That's awesome. Over a million people making decisions for Christ. There's what the hand of the yeah. Lord obviously has been on you. Uh, I'm curious on how, uh, I love that you agreed to do the podcast because uh, you bring a little different view than just the um, person who's you know pastoring a local facility each week. You're able to see globally. Uh, at the time of this recording, it is April 20th and we're in the COVID crisis, right? Yes. And as this began to unfold, many pastors, they started dealing with a myriad of different challenges uh, coming sure. up against them. What are some of the initial challenges that you've seen hit the church and how have you seen people respond to that? Well, that is a great question. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, when this first hit, 
uh, I was in Nepal uh, with a good friend of ours training some pastors. We had 1,200 pastors um, and this, this phenomenal week of training them. And uh, <clears throat> that's when everything began to shut down. Right. So we weren't even really sure if we'd be able to get back. And if we were, how is it, how's it going to all pan out? What are we going to do? This whole thing. Well, um, immediately I start seeing pastors saying, you know, uh, I'm not sure if we'll be able to meet this coming Sunday. And sure enough, I think when we got back that weekend, the churches were officially closed. They're not able to meet, you know, in a public gathering. Um, so it was strange for us because I was supposed to be in Dallas the following week and my trip got canceled. We have a big vision night banquet that we do for our ministry every year. Um, you know, once a year that got canceled. Everything got canceled for, for me and, and my engagements and stuff. So um, the challenge for me is a little different than it would be for the local church in the sense of uh, pastors still have, you know, a means of meeting with their congregants, even though it's through uh, yeah. social media or virtual or YouTube or, or Facebook live or, you know, th those type of channels for us, we don't really have that luxury. We have those, um, those things available, those tools and those uh, resources available. However, um, the places that I would be going to, uh, I wasn't able to go to. And yeah, sure. the people that I normally would speak to now, I wasn't able to speak to because now all the pastors, God bless them. And I pray for them dearly because now they've got to scramble. And now we're entering to a season of life. No one's ever been in. We're not aware of, we're not used to. So it's crisis mode in, in a sense, uh, making sure that our, our sheep, our people are being fed and nurtured and, as you know, people are losing jobs and being furloughed and finances are an issue. And, and just, I guess really more than anything, also the uncertainty yeah. of, of what to do uh, was really weighing heavily on people as well as churches and, and pastors. So um, I think, I think literally for many people, um, it wasn't a formula it was whatever is best for this church or this ministry or yeah. for us and our ministry we're still trying to figure it out we don't have a, a pulse on it yet but yeah. i tell you what it's driven me to my knees that's for sure yeah sure so you're leading your ministry you've got a global influence covid hits talk to us as leaders uh that's who a lot is listening to this podcast how do you sure. respond in, in moments of crisis what are some principles you use as a leader to uh, to navigate through these times. Yeah, it's, um, that's really good. Uh, for me personally, um, like I said, the first thing I did was I, I literally laid it on my face before the Lord God. What, what are you saying to me personally yeah. as a leader, um, as a husband, as a father, you know, um, for our ministry, Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me? Teach me, show me, instruct me. Here I am, open, pliable, uh, willing and ready to listen. Whatever I need to do, Father, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm placing myself, in a sense, on your holy altar. And I'll do whatever you say. Yeah. You know, so I think the first thing is vulnerability. Here's, yeah. here's the first thing. All of us as leaders, we've got to come before the Lord with the spirit of vulnerability. The second thing is, which, you know, I... 
I kind of flip flop back and forth. It really probably should be the first thing, but uh, humility. Yeah. Let's become once again, let's humble ourselves. You yeah. know, let's humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God and say, Lord, here I am, you know, let's pray the Isaiah. Here I am, Lord. So I, I feel like for me, I, I needed to become vulnerable. And I, and I said, Lord, let me, um, let me remain. Let me stay. Let me embrace, you know, a spirit of humility because the scripture clearly states he resists the problem. He gives grace to the humble. Yeah. I don't want him resisting me. I don't want to have anything. I don't, I don't want any kind of spirit of yeah. pride or, or arrogance or anything anywhere near my house, my home, my men, nothing. Yeah. I don't want any of that around me. So yeah, I just fell on my face. Lord, here I am being vulnerable. I stripped myself down of everything. Yeah. Kind of like when David and Jonathan had their, their meeting in the wilderness and Jonathan stripped himself and said, everything I have is yours. If anybody hurts you, it's not going to be me. Yeah. Uh, my sword, my shield, my bow, my, every, my knot, everything, it's yours. Yeah. And I feel like the moment for me was, you know, um, was very similar in the sense of God. I'm, I'm just coming before you with, with vulnerability, with openness, yeah. and with a spirit of humility. Lord, here I am. You know, help me, touch me, save me, protect yeah. me, our ministry, our finances, everything. Just watch over us. So uh, I feel like, from, again, for me, I'm just speaking for me. I feel like that's where, as leaders in the body of Christ, we should all dive into that pool of, of um, humility and vulnerability. Do you think that helped you uh, the sort of spirit of the hour, if you will, is worry, concern, uncertainty. How would you speak to leaders? A lot of pastors are listening to this and something we've never experienced, having church from home for four weeks or six weeks. How, what would you say to them on how to keep their hearts buoyant for the vision when so much seems uncertain? Sure. Well, um, again, you've come with some great questions, Nathan. I, I think, okay, I think three things, okay, here are three things that I think every pastor, especially in this hour, in this moment, every pastor has got to have these three things tattooed to their heart. Number one, we got to remain in the spirit of holiness. Yeah. We, we have to embrace holiness right now. And I'm not being, I'm not talking about weird and, and super religious and spiritual, whatever, but like, a spirit of holiness, God, you know, um, yeah. we don't need anything else. No gimmicks. No, there's no lights. There's no fog machines. There's no, you know, I mean, it's, it's just me and you, Lord, it's just me and you. So um, I, I want to embrace a spirit of holiness. I just spoke about humility. So holiness and humility, God, yeah. I, I want to remain humble before you. Yeah. And right now the third, and this is where I want to stay for a second is hunger. Yeah. So there's three ages, holiness, humility, and hunger. God, I want to remain, I must remain hungry for you. Yeah. I must remain hungry for your word. I've got to remain hungry for worship. I've got to remain hungry for prayer more now than ever before, right? Because yeah. we can't have meetings and everything's kind of been stripped away. So Lord, it's just you and I. I mean, obviously I know a lot of people are doing things through Zoom, but we have a little bit more time now. 
yeah. uh, than, we, than we're used to. So God, right now, I want to stay hungry for, for everything uh, that you have for me and for our church and yeah. for our ministry. I want, I want to stay hungry for uh, memorizing the scripture. I want to stay hungry um, for your presence. I want to stay hungry, like I said, for reading and writing and praying and just diving in into uh, a, a moment every day with you. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So that's what I would say to, to pastors right now that are struggling, that are, um, you know, maybe a little confused as to what to do next or how to do You meet with God. He'll speak to you. The Holy yeah. Spirit will speak to us. He'll speak right to our heart. He'll speak right to our minds. He'll give us direction. He'll give yeah. us, uh, you know, Put, put your church planting hat on for a minute. So you're a church planter, a missionary evangelist. You think creative, right? And when we look at right now, there's tons of challenges. But with every challenge becomes opportunities as well. Sure. What are opportunities you're seeing for the church, for the local Christian, uh, locally and globally? What, what opportunities do you hope the church sees right now? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, the greatest opportunity right now is the whole world is open. I mean, the whole world. God has got the attention of the whole world. Yeah. I mean, I'm hearing from pastors that have said, man, people are tuning in and, and uh, sending us messages wow. that haven't been to church in 10 years, some 20 years. Yeah. And because everybody's trying to figure this out and you know, there's nothing like a, a trial to get someone's attention. Well, this thing yeah. is a global trial. Yeah. I mean, this pandemic has got everybody kind of in the same boat in a sense. And so people are open. People are saying, God, what are you saying to us? I mean, people that are not religious, that, you know, don't pray, that, that yeah, sure. aren't churchgoers. So God's got the attention of people. So the greatest thing right now is the harvest fields around the earth are so ripe. Yeah. Amen. And so I would, I would encourage pastors to really focus on the opportunity that's right in front of us yeah. and encourage their people and staff and leaders and volunteers, everybody to really literally be the hands and feet and heart of Jesus yeah. everywhere they go because people are really, really, really searching. Yeah, that's so good. I, I think that too. I think this just has to be an, uh, an opportunity where people's hearts are sensitive. You know, when all of your stuff is kicked out, you know, all of the props are kicked out. I think one of the things I hear the Lord saying and, and just her and at least pressing upon my heart is, does my life make sense in the light of eternity? You know, all of a sudden, yeah. you know, the day before all of this hit, you know, you're buying expensive shoes or somebody, you know, doing all this sort of stuff. And then the next day you're like, that doesn't make any, that doesn't hold any weight in right? I, I, need, I need food. <laughs> I need toilet paper. I mean, you're listening to this years later, we had a toilet paper shortage, you know, like all of a sudden you're reoriented. Yeah. To what's sure. most valuable? How do you think, um, what messaging do you hope comes out right now of the church? Everybody's got a platform because everybody's online. What, what do you hope that people hear from the local church? Um, you know, there's, there's probably two messages, maybe three, but two messages that I really, um, I really hope the local church kind of camps out at. Number one, I hope the local church leaders, pastors, everyone, I hope we camp out on the side of hope. Like, hey, we're going to get through this. 
and you're going to be better than you were before. I know it doesn't make sense. I know it's hard. I know there's issues and I know uh, there are challenges every which way. I mean, this is kind of like the picture that I got. I spoke about this uh, the other day to a, a, a group. Um, anyway, about when Jesus got into the disciples. Uh, sorry. I got notes flying up here from people texting. Um, when, when Jesus got in the boat with the disciples, the Bible says that he got in the boat first and then the disciples followed him. Yeah. Then Jesus goes asleep and he tells the disciples, hey, put out, we're going to the other side. And then he goes to sleep. The disciples get uh, in the boat. They're paddling out, you know, and they're sailing to the other side. They're in the, literally in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And all of a sudden the scripture says, without warning. Yeah. A storm arose. Yeah. Now, here's the deal. Of course, obviously, it seemed like this thing came out of left field. This storm, this COVID-19 issue came out of left field. But the Bible says these guys, I mean, obviously, they were fishermen. They were grown men. They had been in many storms. But there was something different about this particular storm that these guys literally started freaking out and saying to themselves, man, we're dying. We're perishing. In the scripture, they were scared. They were fearful for their lives. And finally, they ran over to Jesus, who, by the way, was still sleeping, you know, in, in, on a pillow in the stern of the boat, in the back of the boat. Yeah. And finally, they said, Master, Master, don't you care that we're perishing? And Jesus got up. And before he rebuked the storm, he rebuked the disciples, yeah. his leaders, his staff, his main guys. And he said, why? are you so fearful? Oh, you have little faith. Yeah. And then he rebuked the wind and the wave. And it was a great calm. And the disciples looked at each other and they said, Oh my goodness, who is this guy yeah. that even the winds and the waves obey him? So yeah. my point here is simple, that Jesus is, is in the boat with us. He's telling us we're going to the other side and we are going to go. We're going to get there. We're going to get through this. We're going to be out uh, on the other side. But right now in the midst of this storm, I feel like God's inviting us to call out to him, inviting yeah. us to cry out to him, inviting us to pray. He's inviting us to worship once again. He's inviting and he's inviting us to rise up in faith yeah. and rebuke this storm off of our lives, our churches, our families, finances. Amen. And I feel like I wish, I really, I wish that pastors and leaders would rise up and spew faith and hope everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. How do you think though, the Lord is going to use this uh, moving forward? Man, you know, I've asked myself that so many times. I really have. And I think every time I ask myself, I kind of come up with a different answer. Yeah, sure. Um, how is the Lord going to use this as we move forward? I think what I would say is, at least I would hope, is that we don't go back to whatever, quote, normal is, yeah. that we remain in a, in a place of hunger for God, that we remain with a spirit of humility on our ministries, yeah. on our churches, um, on everything that we do. Yeah. I pray that um, that God uses this to really enlighten us and really, in a sense, reveal things in us that don't need to be there. Yeah. Like you had said before, you know, two days before this happened, you know, guys are out 
shopping and buying this and buying that and getting, you know, that's fine or whatever. But the reality is, like you said, we probably didn't need it, you know? Yeah. We, we probably could have done without it. And I, and I think that for us, it goes back to what I started this whole conversation off with is it goes back to the basics. Yeah. Let's get back to our first love. Let's get back to doing things once again that God has called us to do. Getting back to simplicity. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't I, I'm stirred up with that question because I've asked myself so many times that very same question. You know, the end result, where we go from here. What, what do we do yeah. from here? For me, I want to go back to Africa or India or Asia and the Middle East and do our gospel crusades because I have such a hunger more than ever before to see people saved. Yeah. To see people come back to repentance, to see the Lord pour out his love yeah. on a mass gathering and see, uh, see Jesus touch broken bodies and heal broken souls and mend broken lives. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, uh, you know, some time ago, I really felt like the Lord spoke to my heart and said that these days were too costly to be spent. They must be invested. Wow. That's what's happening a lot is a lot of people are finding, am I investing my life, my resources, my attention, my affections onto the things that will stand when everything that can be shaken is shaken. And uh, one of the things I love about your ministry is you're going into those hard places, going into those uh, a lot of times forgotten or new places. How do you, how can the local church uh, support you to know I was going to ask you this, but how can they support you and how can they get in touch if somebody said, I want to really invest into burning more ministries or how can they do that? Well, Nathan, thank you so much. I did not know you were going to ask me that. And, um, that's, yeah, that means a lot. They can just go to our website, burningmoreministries.com and, you know, uh, read all that we're doing, see where we're going. We've got several uh, videos and pictures of crusades and, you know, we, uh, we keep that up to date yeah. fairly, fairly well. So, and then of course, uh, just the normal means of Facebook or Instagram at, at burning more. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we would be so very, very honored and very grateful for any and all help. Um, you know, as you know, everything goes to Africa or India, yeah. uh, our, our expenses, our office expenses, salaries, all that is completely separate. We were blessed to have, um, another ministry actually support that, uh, that aspect. So, uh, right now everything is able to go straight to reaching souls. And uh, our last crusade, uh, just a couple of months ago, um, at the end of February, um, we had 165,000 people give their hearts to Christ in Gulu, northern Uganda, uh, right by the Congo. So it was uh, an incredible, an incredible event, incredible crusade. So we would just be yeah, very humbled and honored for any, any help. Let me ask you this as we're wrapping up our time together. There's people that are listening to this and they're discouraged especially a lot of church planters. I mean, they've just gotten going or ministry directors have just gotten going and boom, this hits uh, a word of encouragement. What would you say to their hearts as they're kind of trying to navigate these days? I was uh, just doing a um, recording this morning on uh, James, the half brother of Jesus. And um, 
He says in, in verse two, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And, you know, it's kind of interesting that he says this because you think to yourself, man, how can you say that? That doesn't even make sense. Yeah. You get this great trial, this, you're walking through these great tribulations. How can you count that as joy? Yeah. And he basically says that the trial is nothing but a test. The test produces patience. Patience makes the man of God complete and perfect for the work God's called us to. So I saw something this morning that, of course, you know, as many of us have read that scripture so many times. But I saw something this morning in light of all that's going on, and I felt like the Holy Spirit was showing me, and, and I'm sure all of uh, our pastor friends, the reality is that Jesus said it rains on the just and on the unjust. Good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. Well, the reality is we're all in the same boat now. So at this current moment, pastors and church planners that have launched out by faith to plant, maybe they've only been gone for, you know, maybe some a few weeks, maybe some a few months, and then this happens, yeah. and now they're super discouraged. I would say don't get discouraged. Don't let um, this storm, don't let this trial, don't let these things discourage you. Embrace a heart of faith. Embrace a spirit of hope. Embrace a spirit of humility. Embrace God's hand as he's walking you through this trial. And I, I believe, and I've been praying this daily, God, don't let this thing impact your churches. Yeah. Because I believe like you, the church is the hope of the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, Bernie, we're, we're so grateful you spent a few minutes with us here on the podcast and uh, Lord bless your next crusades. I hope that, Borders open up soon, and you can get out there and get it done. Thank you so much. Love you tons. Nathan, you're the best. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. If you have any questions about what you've heard today, please give us a call at 844-641-5718 or visit our website at startchurch.com. We hope you'll join us for the next episode of Start Church Beyond the Call. Start Church has helped thousands of churches and ministries protect what God has given them to lead. Check out our website at startchurch.com or feel free to call at 844-641-5718. We would be honored to serve you.